Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo! We are super excited for another episode with you today. If you haven't left a rating and review yet, we would appreciate that. It takes like 30 seconds. Uh, we love to hear what you think of the podcast because we want to keep making it better for you student pastors. So head over and leave a rating and review. We sure would appreciate that. It also helps other people find the podcast when they search for podcasts related to student ministry. We're also on Spotify. Um, so if you prefer listening to your podcast there, I can't tell where you're listening to it right now. So that's a platform that we're on. Producer Nathan, we did not get the Joe Rogan Spotify deal to exclusively podcast on Spotify. Um, I was reading yesterday that it was north of a hundred million dollars for him to have exclusive podcasting through the Spotify platform. And it just started like the beginning of, uh, of September, I think. So crazy. Apparently there's crazy money if you're at that level of podcasting, but that's not our topic today. Uh, we're super excited for this episode because we have an incredible guest, a good friend of mine and family pastor, uh, for the Summit Church in North Carolina. Jason Gaston is with us. Jason, good to see you, my man. What's up, everybody? Good to be here. We are, uh, we're in four squares of video, so this is exciting. Uh, if you've done podcasting before, like you can do it just audio, but it's always better when you can see people. So we are uh, living life much like most of you and looking at people in squares digitally right now. And so we're doing that with podcast uh, as well. Jason, I would love for you to take just a second and uh, talk through, you know, I mentioned family pastor at the Summit Church. Tell us about family. Tell us about you. I know baseball fan, championship coach, that kind of stuff. But uh, give give us the rundown. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, well, I'm married to my wife, Katie. We've been married for over 15 years, just over 15 years. Um, got three kids. I have a uh, uh, oldest 12 year old, his name is Holt, who has just entered into our student ministry. So I am living the dream right there. Um, uh, he's in sixth grade and I've got, uh, my middle child is my daughter, Annie Jean. I double named her. My wife hates it. I call, I love it. I call it that. Call so is that, that. A, is there a middle name too, or just double first? No, it's, it's, it's Annie Jean Gaston, but I, I, I double name it, you know? So, yeah. 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 yeah so I, I roll with that. I think my wife doesn't like it cause that's her middle name too. And she just, Katie Jean Smith was her name growing up. She's like, it's the worst, most common plain name on the planet. <laughs> so anyway, middle child is my daughter, Annie. Um, she's in fourth grade. And then I have my the third and final installment of the Gaston family is my youngest uh, first grader who's seven. His name is Parks. So um, anyway, yeah, all, uh, all our family's active. We're an active family. We love sports. We're um, highly in, involved in uh, in different sports throughout the year. Our kids are I'm pretty active. The boys especially are pretty active in baseball. I coach them. Love it. I'm a baseball fanatic. Uh, I keep up with it. I'm I'm a baseball, uh, self-acclaimed baseball historian. I'm a re really big fan of the Negro League, uh, Negro, the history of baseball, specifically within the Negro League. In fact, I one of my passions is just learning about the history of it. People, I lived, I lived out the, a version of the Sandlot as a kid. So my next door neighbor uh, in Palm Bay, Florida, uh, for six years was a guy by the name of Ray Dandridge. Ray Dandridge was a Hall of Fame third baseman in the Negro League. And so I got to talk baseball with him all the time. And I could, at the time, I, I didn't care. I didn't care about what he had to say to me, you know, whatever. And so <laughs> it didn't click till years, years, years later, where I started to really appreciate the time that I had with him. And um, anyway, I get to coach both my boys teams. Um, 
And uh, last year, uh, my oldest son, Holt, who uh, his team won the um, 10U Cal Ripken World Series. So they went all the way from their area Maybe. tournament, state tournament, Southeast Regional, and then won in a walk-off in the bottom extra innings against the team from Alabama. It was baller, wow. man. It was so awesome. Good. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was a lifetime memory made right there. So uh, if you're not a baseball fan, please hang with us. We're going to get into the student ministry stuff in just a second. And this is an episode you're not going to want to miss. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of good stuff coming up. But uh, humor us. If you are a baseball fan, then you can tweet your opinions to us at student ministry or any of us directly, because I would love to hear your opinions, too. But, Jason, I, I, you know, we have obviously a shortened season, but rule changes this year. I would love your opinion on. So let's start with the National League DH. Oh, Where, what do you think? Man, listen, I I'm a fan of putting the big sticks at the plate, right? So <laughs> for me, let the big boys eat. Take your daddy hacks, go up there, get it done. So I'm a huge fan. I think it I think it speeds the game a, lo- a game up to be honest. Yeah. Um I think it uh I think it makes it a little bit more entertaining. Although there is something beautiful about a pitcher taking a hack that he hasn't take taken at the plate since, you know, high school <laughs> and hitting a tank, right? So there's there's something beautiful about that that's missed, but especially in the shortened season, I love it, man. I think it I mean, we saw a game the other night that was what 23 to 5. I mean, like <laughs> I'm like what in the world is going on with baseball right now? People are hitting bombs left and right, man. It's fun. I love it, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm in the same place. I actually love the national league DH and I'm excited as a Cardinals fan. I'm excited for the day. I hope it happens. If it's a throwaway game or something at the end of the season where Adam Wainwright gets to be the DH, oh, it yeah. would make, it would make my day. The world goes full circle <laughs> right there, man. That is beautiful. <laughs> All right. So number two that I have a question about is yep. the extra innings. Like this ghost runner on second, basically, yeah. is what we've done here. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's basically like internet it, it, in like the youth league, youth uh, age levels. It's it's called the international tiebreaker rules, right? So you throw throw a guy on base. It it really it really speeds the game up because you're almost guaranteed someone's going to score, right? Saving arms, shortened season, quick turnover. These guys. So I think about it from that side of the game. Um, yeah. You know. Um, they're, they're really saving arms for, for more than anything on these pitchers and, um, someone's going to score quickly. So you're not going to see 15, 16 game innings. You're going to see probably the game end in the 10th, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's not dragging along. I, I have a love hate relationship with it. Cause I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like it makes it a little bit more exciting, but it does kind of take away, uh, a little bit of the strategy side from a coach's perspective. Right. So you're just kind of out on a whim, you know, you're like, man, Runner on second. Here we go. Game on. You know. Um, so I, I like it. I think it. I think it adds to the uh, the excitement of the game. I do think it takes away some of the strategy of the game. Yeah, man. I uh, I watched a game the other night where the first time I got to see it live, and I want to hate it because there's something about baseball in me that's like anti change. Yeah. Uh, I want to hate it, but I ended up actually liking it yeah it did feel like man one wrong pitch here and you're done like you yep. can't recover that's right yeah uh, so it was i i ended up liking it i'm not i'm not re- ready to say i'm all in on it yet for 162 yeah i hear you man i hear but you i i wanted to hate it and i didn't ben you know to me it sounds like you sound like two-thirds of everybody's congregation that's listening yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if I want, I don't like change. I don't know. And then all of a sudden a little change is thrown in there. You're like, 
ah, man, maybe, maybe this is good. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure though. Not sure. I'm not willing to say if I want it all <laughs> next year or not. That's right. But for right now, it fits. That's, That's a right. perfect segue to what we're talking about today. So <laughs> we wanted to uh, have a conversation with Jason because um, I do believe that in this moment, Jason, you are leading uh, in a unique environment, um, serving at a church that has said, hey, we're not going to be meeting um, unless something changes drastically. We're looking at not meeting until after the first of the year mm-hmm. um, and has basically, instead of a group of people uh, meeting together, there are now many groups of people meeting in houses all across the Raleigh-Durham area. Yep. And so you, you've basically gone to a house church model. Uh, and as I listened to JD announce that and the video uh, is on Twitter and all that, he used numbers. And I don't remember what the numbers were, but X, instead of gathering X number of people in these yeah. locations, we're now thousands of house churches, basically. Right. Yep. Um, and that obviously creates uh, challenges is a light word. <laughs> when you think about doing family ministry, kids ministry, student ministry. And so I wanted to have a conversation with you around what ministering to families, parents, teenagers looks like for you right now, totally recognizing that just like everybody, this is probably a work in progress. And it's, you know, as things come up, we adjust. And so student pastors that are listening to this, I think this is really valuable information for you because uh, it will help you kind of see what someone else is doing in terms of how do we reach pastors, uh, parents, I mean, we as pastors, how do we reach parents? How do we equip them to disciple teenagers in this moment? How do we reach teenagers? Because you may think about this and think like, well, my church isn't as big as Summit, or we don't have exactly the same context there. But I think what you're going to find is that in this moment, we can kind of throw that out the window and everybody's asking the same kinds of questions. Yep. We just need to fit those questions to the context that we're in. So, Jason, I'll throw it to you and just start with a really broad question. What are some of the first things that you began to tackle in reaching teenagers and continuing student ministry when you guys decided we're going house church? That's a great question, Ben. Um, you know, if I was going to even step it back a, a bit further. Yeah. You know, I have a good friend, a guy by the name of Justin Brock. Uh, he works with Clayton King at Clayton King Ministries. And um, he, you know, he was he was telling me, we were talking early on and um, he sent me, he sent me a text message of a conversation he had with um, a bus driver in Israel several years ago, just reminded me of a beautiful truth. And he was saying they were driving down this, uh, this is Israeli highway and they were looking to the left and to the right. And they were seeing just these beautiful beautiful gardens and fields that have just been planted. It's beautiful. And as they're driving down the road, they, they noticed there was one field in the middle, middle on the right-hand side of the road, there was one field that was just overgrown and nasty and just looked all out of whack. And they were asking their bus driver, what was up with that field? And he said, that field was on its Sabbath year of rest. Hmm. He said, um, you know, in order for, um, in order for that field to reap a proper harvest, they were still applying the Sabbath rest to the field. He said, so the, the, the soil had to rest so it could be reworked and retilled so it could reap a greater harvest. And he said, man, I can't help but think that the global church has been given in some ways from our programs, a Sabbath rest 
where we can look at the land, we can look at the soil, and we can see God is preparing for us something. When we look at it, we see what we see chaos, right? I mean, I can't help but think that's like the world that I'm looking at right now. You know, I see confusion and chaos and disorder and uh, man, just all kinds of bickering back and forth. And that doesn't um, exclude the church. You know, we just, yeah. I look at that field and that's what I see. But then I, I'm so hopeful because it gives us a chance to really just reassess and reevaluate where we are and say, hey, what have we been doing the last 10 years that have been really, really fruitful? What, what can we continue when we move forward? And then what can we change to see a harvest come? And so we've been challenging our student ministry staff, our kids ministry staff, and, and really our church staff. We've been challenging them. Hey, listen, this may look a little chaotic right now, but we believe that um, God has given us this season uh, to rest the soil from our programming, if you will. But it, but the church doesn't rest, right? You know, everybody's adopted the phrase now, right? The the Great Commission isn't quarantined, right? Like we're not we're not quarantined, man. You know, like we're we're still seeing this, but man, we're believing that that field is going to produce a great harvest and it's coming. And so we really we really said, God, you, you're doing a new thing. We we really believe that. And in this season, it's not like this uh, thing we have to adjust to. It's new. You've given us something new. Um, you know, like the struggle that you guys have, like when you go on vacation or you read a book, like the common rule or, you know, something like that, and you, you come back and you're like, my life is going to change. And you're like, <laughs> I've been unplugged. And, uh, you come back and you realize every, nobody else has stopped doing what they were doing before. And all of yeah. a sudden you're thrown right back in it. What we realized quickly was that everybody on the planet had just experienced what we experienced, right? That yeah. everybody was on pause and we have been granted right now in the midst of hurt and pain and disorder, we've been granted an opportunity to, to really just reevaluate. And that's, that's what we did. We, we reevaluate, we went back to the drawing board, we rewrote systems, we wrote, rewrote vision. Um, mm. and we are still trying to figure out how to implement that stuff, uh, from A to Z. Um, but you know, one of those, you know, going back to your question was, you know, how do you continue to reach? Right. I mean, how do you, how do you reach? And um, we realize it's the tension I think that every student pastor on the planet has wrestled with, where you love the gathering, right? You love it. You, I, yeah. I mean, I love big. One of my favorite things on the planet is to stand on the stage every year at Fuge Camp and to preach. Why? Because I love big. I like it. I like the crowd. I like to preach. I love, I love to see the numbers come up. I love to see students like in droves come to faith in Christ and be baptized. We love big. But every student pastor, even if you're just like me, you love big, you wrestle with that tension, like it just can't always be big. Right. Yeah. And so you start to reevaluate that. You're like, we've been granted an opportunity to get back to the grassroots level of evangelism and discipleship. And so, um, we started from scratch, man. We went, we went right back, uh, our student ministry several, several years ago, um, stepped into the Hoosier one, uh, initiative, if you will. And, um, we've been pushing that like crazy. Hey, use your, be a digital missionary, wherever you are, you know, you're still hanging out this man, these teenagers all over the world, bro. They were hanging out with friends in their neighborhood, you know, whatever. We're like, your relationships haven't stopped, you know, leverage what you've been given right now and, and take advantage of all the chaos that's been unplugged from your life and really help push these students to a life of, of, of evangelism where they are. And we've, we've seen some stories. We haven't seen the numbers that I would like man, that I'm going to like sit back and write a blog post about like, God is, man, he's crushing it over here. You know, like I'm still waiting for that harvest to really fully come, but we're really seeing students take steps in faithful obedience and sharing the gospel with their friends and expand their reach. But I mean, it's been a challenge, but we're hopeful. Uh, we're really hopeful for the days ahead. Man, what do you, you mentioned 
kind of this moment to reevaluate, right? To look at programs to say, okay, what have we been doing the last 10 years uh, that we don't need to do anymore? What do we need to keep doing? What do we need to move off of the plate? What would you say to a youth pastor that is in a situation where they may be feeling the pressure of continuing to just be doing, doing, doing mm-hmm. like, okay, this has been taken off because of this season. So now I've got to find these things to replace it. Like I've got to keep people active. I've got to keep people, you know, that, that type of experience and that type of pressure. What, how would you coach a youth pastor that's, that's feeling the expectation and pressure of just replacing stuff and yeah. continuing to do? That's a great question. I, I realized that every listener to this podcast has a different type of boss, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's not a one size fits all answer. You know, you got some guys that feel that expectation because that expectation has been told to them. You yeah. cannot just stop doing this. You've got to add X, Y, and Z. Um, to the majority of everybody, I would say live in the tension. I think that's a good place to be, to actually live in that tension. And what I mean is, we, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading Proverbs right now, just in my time with the Lord. I'm also, uh, I bought, uh, Tim Keller's Proverbs, um, daily wisdom for life to kind of go along with my reading, my Bible reading. And I, I just, I see all these things, how, as I'm reading Proverbs, how easily my heart sways towards laziness, you know, and even, even parts of like the, the quarantine, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to read 15 books the first three months. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, I've been watching Netflix. Right. So I'm like, I'm binging, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I get, I, I get really, um, my heart sways towards laziness. I have to push myself in that. Right. And so we, we, as, as ministers of the gospel can actually become lazy, if you will, in, um, in our, in our day-to-day interactions with students. Um, and I, I remember for a season, for instance, you know, like, um, w- let's just say what, let's just say one of your expectations is, is that you have to have interaction with students. Well, redefine that interaction, redefine it. Yeah. Uh, we encouraged our staff, you know, like, Hey, listen, we're going to, we're going to just, we're going to take it five students a day or five families a day, five days a week. We call it the five and five. We want you to call five families a day on the phone. Texts don't count. Emails don't count. Social media doesn't count. You have to pick up the phone and call them. Well, what did that do? Well, that, that just at a time and season of our church where I think for most of the country was pretty much locked down. It helped our people remember that our church pastors don't just care about me as a number at my program. They really care about me. They yeah. called me to just check on me, to pray for me. Some of our staff took that the next level. They would just go and show up, knock on the door, take a few steps back, and they would just engage with them from 10, 15 feet away early on and just pray for the student, hang out with the mom and dad and the, the family and really experience the hurt and the pain. Um, you know, so re reevaluating what that, what that time with that student is. Um, you know, what we found is it's really easy as we're especially now, Ben, as we're starting to add some things back to the calendar, it's really easy to just jump from what you were, what you, you started to do, like the five and five. You know, you can talk to a student director on our staff team of like, hey, how are things going? Like, oh man, I'm planning X, Y, and Z again. You know, I'm starting to get these things on the calendar again. And then you ask the question, well, hey, who have you called lately in the last mm. last few days? And they said, man, you know what? I haven't called any students in the last two or three days. You're right. That's what I mean by living in the tension, right? Yeah. It's it's a good place to be, to to really long. And, and in some ways, if I could use the word to lament, like the the to grieve the missing of the gathering of the of the body, right? 
but then also to just live in the tension of, well, I've got a new opportunity to engage with the body right now where I am. And that's really what this whole season has, has given us because we know a day is coming and it's starting to come where we gather again. Right. Yeah. And we're longing for that. We want that. Um, but living in that tension of the now and the not yet, I mean, that's the Christian life, right? It's I'm here, um, but I'm, everything here is pointing there. And that's where yeah. I'm going. That's where I'm longing for. It's, that's a, it's, a, it's a shadow of the, the greater longing that we all have as believers. And I want us to live in that. And I would encourage every student pastor to live in that. As you, as you feel that expectation, um, live in the tension of, uh, am I doing anything <laughs> uh, versus, um, or am I doing something just to put dates on the calendar, you know? Um, and you know, uh, if I could even take it a step further, you know, one of the things that we're realizing right now is, you know, as a church, for instance, here at the summit, you know, we're asking families, we're starting to gather in small groups again. We've got home gatherings, which is what we call our house church. We call them home gatherings. We realized quickly that house church was not really what we were, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a deep pool that we did not want to wait in, if you know what I'm saying. So, um, so our home gatherings, uh, yeah. you know, we're, they're doing that. We're encouraging students to get plugged in there. Then you got student small groups that are meeting online. And quickly, all of a sudden, the very thing that you fought to free up during the week when life was normal, the calendar, now all of a sudden you're making a burden again to families by having them do 55 different things. And what we learned was parents are exhausted in a completely different way in this season, mentally exhausted, emotionally yeah. exhausted. And um, we want to really live in the tension of, are we doing things because we feel like we have a job expectation um, or are we doing things because we really want to serve the kingdom of God by serving families well mm. and preaching to their calendar and clear, cleaning, cleaning it up the best we can is a, is a great way to do it. Man, I really appreciate the intentionality with which you guys have approached both sides of that. On, on one side, the, the five and five I think is incredible with making a priority to, okay, we, we don't have programming like we used to for you to be able to connect in ways that you used to. You can't really go to the schools and do a lot of what you used to be able to do. And the students certainly aren't coming to the church building. But then on the other side too, asking the question, even in building programming back into the home gatherings, why, you know, why? Because there's, it would, it's such a temptation for churches to just feel this need to, well, we have to do programming. We, we have to have, I mean, the whole church model for so many churches in this country is built on a program. So what's the program? What's the event? What's the next thing? How are we going to generate excitement? Yeah. And that's something we've talked about a lot and just how this season has exposed some weaknesses mm-hmm. that pastors have in just... Uh, sitting in relational ministry yeah. and realizing the impact of what those relationships mean, what that, the way, the way we see discipleship modeled yeah. for us in scripture, being that very much in-person, non-programmed, but yep. life-on-life kind of relationship, which also yeah. we understand is restricted some too under the circumstances. But yeah. I like how you're approaching that from both sides. And like you said, living in that tension that we have to dig into these relationships in the way that we can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a prime example, you know, number one frustration, maybe not number one, top five. Okay. We'll go top five, (laughs) top five frustration for student pastors. Uh, If you feel me on this one, shout amen, wherever you're listening to, you're (laughs) like, if I could only get our students to go to church and not just small groups, Sunday schools, Wednesday nights, man, life would be, life would be awesome. Right. You're like, 
We want them engaged in integrated into the body of Christ, right? We want them to go to big church, right? And that's, yeah. you know, that's what we, that's yeah. what they say. You go to big church. You're like, why would we program something right now where they are that would take them out of that environment? So for us, we are, our, our home gatherings, they're gathering around and they are engaging in online, like they're engaging in the service online. That means they are beginning the process. The, I mean, the simple language we're saying is with, with your parents, yeah, with with others, like sit shoulder to shoulder, you know, um, every student pastor longs to attend one, serve one, you know, or, or come to small groups and then go to worship. We're always like fighting to do both. And now I'm like, we've only got one thing. Why would I mm. add something back into that when students are like, it's the only thing they've got on the weekend right now is corporate worship with the home gathering. I'm like, why would I add anything in that to compete when I can build a, di a discipline right now? I can build the muscle yeah. where they're hearing their pastor teach they're engaging in a microcosm of the corporate gathering. Why would I put something in there to compete with that? It would be doing, be like a, it's a double-edged sword if I do that, you know? And so there is this tension that we live in right now. You're like, man, I want them engaged, but I also want to, I want to speak to them on their level right now, you know? And so there's just that, it's the catch 22. It's the catch 22. Man, what are some of the questions that you guys are asking right now? As you, as this continues to unfold for you, what are some of the big questions that you and your student ministry team are saying, we've got to figure this out? Not that you've figured it out, but the questions that you're asking. That's a great question. There's two big ones right now that we're asking. Um, and if your church has been quarantined for a while, as you're starting to re-enter, uh, if you will, to regathering, you might be asking the same question. You're asking the question, who is still here? Hmm. Right? Like, who's still here? Um, you know, because you, you talk with these, you talk with your students, you talk with your families, you engage with them, but you, you know, before we were able to do home gatherings, you're like, I don't even know who's still actually watching the service unless it, I just ask them when I'm talking to them. Right. And when you got a ministry, that's pretty large. That's hard to, that's hard to do every single week to have a conversation with every student. Yeah. That's hard. So who do we still have? Who's still here? And, um, you know, uh, one of the ways that we answered that actually was uh, as we kicked off the fall, um, we uh, we did a ministry subscription box. So we just had people sign up for a box. Now you guys are like, uh, I know some guys out there might be thinking, man, you can do that. You know, you're at a big church. What, dude? This thing is bobo. Okay, it is. <laughs> like I bought, I bought, uh, I bought, you know, five thousand stickers off a sticker mule or wherever you can <laughs> online, man, for like $12, you know, I threw them in a box. Um, sticker mule, you know, do that hot sauce with their stickers let's, now. Yes, they will, baby. Let's go. <laughs> um, you know, so we, we realized everything's virtual. Now people want things like actually in their hand. Right. Um, mm. so we're like, how can we, how can we at least just cast a net to see who's still here? Hey, sign up for a subscription box. We're like, okay, great. It's got your, uh, it's got your printed out small group material for your zoom uh, small group, you know, so you actually have the physical thing in your hand. We printed them all off from explore the Bible. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there we go. That's right. <laughs> Rocking out some Proverbs. Um, so, uh, you know, it, and, um, but then we realized, Hey, this is more than just giving them something. This is an opportunity for us to have them come or for us to take it to them, um, uh, to their home to actually have a touch point with them. Right. So now it's, it's a shepherding moment. It's not just a gift. So it's not like, hey, sign up for the box. We're going to give you all the swag that you want or all the printer copies of your devotional that you want. It's it's not that. It's, hey, this is a chance for us to answer the question, who's still here? 
Yeah, right. That's good. Come by, come by the campus. We want to give you the box and we want to pray over you as you go. Um, and it, 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 that has really helped us relationally um, as we, as we've done that. The, the other question is, is, um, is the question I think that everybody is probably asking is what's next, you know, like how, how is what we're putting in place right now? How is it going to be affected by the unknown? Yeah. Um, you know, so are the stats in North Carolina going to go back up? Are they going to stabilize and go down? Wh what are we looking at? So is what we're building, is it sustainable even if we go back in quarantine? That's basically what we're trying to ask ourselves is, is what we're building now sustainable either way? Hmm. And that's really where we're, that's where we're fighting right now is um, we, we realize that we can't build something out that's large group every week. We can't do it. Our state has, a, it's not really given us that opportunity. So um, I think those are the two who's still here and is what we're building sustainable uh, for the long run. Yeah, man. I think one of the things that I've picked up that's a common thread in our conversation so far and the things that you're doing uh, is how do we get our staff multiple touch points engagements with people yeah so the subscription box we want to deliver or we want you to come by so that we see so that we can look at you pray with you the five and five is the same way uh, basing ministry right now around how can we still continue to minister to people in yep. personal interactions rather than broad interact because I think people have figured out the broad interactions, right? Like you can throw YouTube out there. You can get on zoom. You can do so, like broad interactions. We're past that. Yep. It's the personal interactions that I hear you saying, we've got to stay dialed into that. Yeah. 100%. Uh, that's, that's exactly, that's been our, that's been our big MO. Um, I think the last few months, and the way that we, you know, if you're listening, if you're a student pastor out there and you're in a larger church, you know, maybe one of the things that you guys say is how, how do we figure out how to make big church feel small, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's kind of one of our plumb lines here at the summit. We want to make a big church feel small, which is actually why we kind of went into multi-site, you know, instead of building yeah. something that with 20,000 people at one place, we'd rather have 11 places, you know, 11 places of worship around our area. So we want to make it small. And we, we think that what, what has happened is this has given us a lot of relational equity, that maybe we didn't have before. Um, and those touch points have been really big. So finding ways to engage in shepherd and have points of contact with students is huge. So what would you say, so, so you're digging into the home gathering model and you're, you're there at least through the end of this year, right? Yeah. In this model, what have you found or what have you learned that really makes those things sing? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, we, uh, we actually have an evaluation team that meets every week to, <laughs> to uh, go over that, right? Um, yeah. Because some weeks we feel like that was a home run and some weeks we're like, wow, that was, <laughs> that was a miss. Um, you know, what we have found is a couple of things. Number one is giving people um, during the service. So it, it's not just doing what you did before. And what I mean by that is we become, no matter how big your church is or how small your church is, we become really, really good at becoming professionals at production and transitions, right? You yeah. got, mm -hmm. hey, welcome. We got the announcements. We got the one song. We got the guy or girl coming up on stage to do the welcome and announcements. We got two more songs. We got a bumper video. We got a sermon. We got this. So it was like, we can't just copy and paste that. We've, with now that families are gathering around in, in, a, in a room engaging, we've got to help them engage with one another. So we have specific times um, in our service that we, uh, 
we just kick it over from the sermon. We're saying, hey, here's a, here's a point from First Peter, right? We're actually going to pray right now uh, in our home gatherings uh, together right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we put a timer up on there. Um, that works a lot better if it's not live stream, by the way, because then you can encourage them to pause it. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, pause. And then in a few minutes, come back when you guys are done praying, we'll give you three or four prayer points or just one prompt to help you go. Um, that's been a big win, um, that really help us engage the whole, everybody that's in the room. Um, you know, pre-service, like, you know, we do some like kids worship songs beforehand. Uh, we have some of our, um, kind of going in the high touch, um, you know, just really trying to make personal contact with, with kids and students. We have small group leaders from our kids ministry and student ministry that will record a video and we'll play that video pre-service, um, all across is like, Hey, this is Jason from the apex campus. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to my team, to my group of seventh grade boys over at the Apex campus. I love you guys. I miss That's being cool. with you. It's a great way for us to just engage the family, the student, the kids. We do it uh, pretty frequently. Um, and, you know, we just like I'm sure like most people, you know, we we create student and kids guides to go along with the sermon, um, which has helped, I think, just from personal. I mean, I, I spend hours each week, either making sure it's done or doing it myself. You know, I'm like, and then I watch my kids. I'm like, well, that was pointless because they didn't. <laughs> uh, but we tried. Right. And, you know, and I think that honestly, I think that's a big piece of that is just try, try something to engage the family and to engage the student testimony. Um, make it multi-generational. Uh, if you're leading and you have something uh, from the stage that you can do, or you can even speak in the uh, in the Zoom staff meeting that you guys have as you're thinking about your uh, recording of the worship gathering for this upcoming week, find a way to really make it multi-generational. How do you get a teenager up there to read scripture? How do you get yeah. a kid up there to quote, you know, uh, to to quote from from memory Psalm uh, 19 or something like that? You know, where they can see the 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 scripture that we've been trying to push into their heart for the last several months while they've been in their homes. They can. They can actually see it come to life in front of the church as a whole way to celebrate. So I think there's ways to do it. I think the best ways to do it aren't always the big home runs. It's just kind of the long obedience in the same direction, if you will. You know, just keep yeah. throwing testimony videos up there. Keep letting a kid read scripture. It's it's not the, this is what I always tell the kids that I coach in baseball. Like it's, it's not the ESPN top 10 highlight real play that wins games. It's uh, It's doing the fundamental thing over and over and over and over again. And when you think about that uh, and from like a church perspective, you know, you're like, you don't have to make it this big home run. Just keep doing the little things with excellence for the glory of God. And that's where you see new paths carved, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the question that we're, you know, we're asking like, is what we're doing now, is it going to stick? I hope so. Um, but I don't think it's going to stick if we just create the big bang. I think it's going to, it's going to stick by wearing out a new path. And that's what I'm hoping will be true. Man, it, it almost sounds like there's a, a little bit of a departure from having to have the shiny polish in every moment to making sure, okay, even if this feels a little different than it used to, there's more intentionality on the connection to everybody that's watching and participating than necessarily our own um, our own opinion of how shiny it looks. Yep. Oh man, 100%. With you, know, love. And, you know, and, even getting down into what the home gathering feels like, it seems like there's so much potential there. And 
so many churches are, you know, doing some or have done even before all this, some kind of home small group experience as, as part of what they do. But when it comes down to, no, this is all we're doing. You know, this is how we're worshiping together. Yeah. And your intentionality from the service that they're watching together to connect with everyone, it seems like there's maybe more potential in this model for people to understand really what community feels like than maybe they did before, because it, it can't just be, it can't just be a checkbox, you know, it's yeah. so much more of, Hey, we're, we're all in here. We're all invested in this one direction together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good, man. You know, we just even hearing you talk made me think, you know, maybe one of the greatest blessings that comes out of this is that, um, as student pastors, um, is that we really see the beauty of alignment and we see maybe where we've been working in silos. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that, that might be something that some student pastor out there right now is just wrestling with and, and seeing, you know, live in that tension, man, keep, keep living in that tension, live in that world right there. Cause that alignment really, it's a beautiful thing when you start to see it click. And, uh, you know, as you were talking, I'm like, man, that's it, right. It's, it's seeing all of these things align under one banner. Right. And that's been that's been a beautiful and very stressful process over the last several months. Yeah, man, I think that is a good as a place as any to wrap up with that encouragement to live in that tension. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for spending time with us today and pouring into student pastors through the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Um, Hey, he. uh, that's that soil has been given some rest, you know, and that harvest is coming. I believe it. Um, he's given us that this season right now. And I, I really believe that the next generation is, it, this could be the generation that takes the gospel. A student in your ministry could be the one that hears the name of Jesus is, uh, redeemed, saved, and they could be the one to whisper the name of Jesus on a, on a tribe that's not yet heard. And it could, it can happen as a result of COVID, right? Yeah. And yeah. God could be using COVID for his glory. That's right. Well, this has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We're so thankful for Jason Gaston uh, being on today's episode, and we will see you next time.